Now listen closely. They will attack your eyes till nothing remains but two bloody sockets. Ladies and gentlemen, my subject is disturbed tonight. Her world is disturbed. Now, I saw those bodies, and whoever mutilated them has a very special problem. There's nothing to be afraid of. Stay Scary Podcast. We are COVID-free. Uh-huh. And, 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 and how how was the whole process for you guys? Um, it burned like like it it, it, it like the, the q the q tip went through the nostril and I had like this immediate burning sensation, you know. And then my eyes started watering. And then she's just like, "Okay, we're gonna count down from 10. And I was just like, "I have to have this motherfucking shit in my nose, like yeah, for scraping seconds. my brain for like mm-hmm. 10 seconds. That is unacceptable." It's yeah. like it's like a pipe cleaner almost, mm-hmm. and they just it's like, like shove it as far as it'll go, and mm-hmm. then they'll go one, two. So it's like one, two, three, four, and yeah. uh, and it's like a you just you just stand there and take it. <laughs> you just yeah, I it. had I had a similar much experience. like twenty twenty. I just stood there and took it. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. I had a comparable experience. I mean, not for the COVID, but I mean, I've, I've, I've have been subjected to that swab, um, for a flu test. And we all know that this is nothing like the flu, but anyways, um, yeah, it, it was funny cause the doctor was telling me how squeamish she was mm-hmm. in relation to how it's done the process of going through and all that stuff. And, um, and I was like, I was like, you know, it's probably not going to be that bad. I mean, like you, Lisa, you said something on Facebook about like practicing by putting Q-tips in your Krishnakal. Yeah. And, and it literally, literally, like I started talking about that. I started, I was like, I was like, you know, it's actually like kind of like, you know, historically, like, you know, like what blockheads would do in carnivals, like, you know, in sideshows back in the day and started like doing, like talking, telling, telling her the history of like how they would do that and how they would prep themselves and how it's just like the callousing of, of the sinus cavity and stuff like that. And the whole entire time, the, the doctor's kind of looking at me like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> and then she actually administered it and just to sell it, I just didn't break eye contact. Oh my God. The whole entire time I'm just like looking at her and she's just like doing it. And I could just see her starting to get like more like uncomfortable and cringy. <laughs> it's beautiful. And she yanks it out of my head. She yanks it out of my head. And then she's like, she's like, she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> she was fucking your nose with it. That's horrible. That's horrible. But yeah, it's kind of true. It's did you true. feel like you were invaded? Like, did you feel violated or were you just like, yeah, try this? No, because when I originally found out about the process that Carnies would do back in the day, I actually did uh, try shoving Q-tips in my Krishnakal. And so acclimated in certain terms. If this makes the final cut of the episode, we don't want to be kink shaming anybody that is actually into nasal fucking. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, Yeah. Did you see Lisa's post about the dickhole leeches? Now that's invasive that is super duper horrifyingly invasive yeah yeah, yeah it's 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 very uh french revolution like with the glass pipes up the uh yeah up the urethra and uh, yeah so in case anybody's wondering the story that was going around about a a, a guy in what was vietnam had a mm-hmm. leech swim up his dick hole and uh it it became engorged after drinking like a pint of blood <laughs> and <laughs> this poor guy's thinking he's just lucky. 
You got me the magic. You got to pull it. had to pull the dick leech. Pull the dick leech out. It was um, my husband's very mad at me for posting that story. Yeah, he's he's yelling from the other room. Like, yeah, he does not like he does not like my my tale of the dick leech. Well, it's not like you're doing it to him. It's not no. like you're giving him a dick leech. He's hearing about the dick leech, and he's imagining it actually happening. Uh-huh. I can hear him in the background hollering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the genitals are a very curious thing for men. Welcome to Stay Scary Podcast, a very silly podcast about very serious horror. My name is Lisa McColgan. I'm Ian Kiefer. And I am Johnny Woodard. How you doing? Johnny Woodard, our, uh, our, I think, I think you, you now have, uh, you have the record of most, uh, most guest appearances. Really? If I do, if I, if I do the math, um, I, I think, I think you've, I think you're, uh, this is, I think you're like the top, the no top kidding. repeat guest. The four timers okay. club. Four timers. I'm saying if I do this again, do I get a jacket? Like four or five, I don't remember. That's four. Uh, it's four. Yeah, it's it four. It was Dahmer. Not Dahmer. I'm sorry. It was Ed Gein. It was um, the siblings. It was music, and now hotels. And now hotels. Yes. And thank you for for uh, we are we are doing hotels in horror horror hotels uh, for for stay scary this episode, and it's inspired by the fact that I just finished up a. Um, Pretty, pretty intense book about the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Now, the Cecil is also known as the Suicide Hotel, built in 1927, um, and has pretty much had all kinds of fuck shit things happening uh, within its walls almost from the very beginning. Murders, suicides, uh, two serial killers have stayed there. What's the body count of that hotel, Lisa? The body count of the Cecil, uh, let me I want to say it's like six. Is it six people or is it way more than that? 27 or something like that. Yeah, the, the, the official body count, I mean, they've said that there are, there are 600 rooms in the Cecil and and they've said that somebody has died in every single one of those rooms. That's the legend. But <laughs> as far as an official body count of, uh, of the Cecil Hotel, uh, let me just look this up. Cecil, bo- Cecil Hotel body count. Uh, 16 different murders, suicides, and unexplained paranormal. 16. 16. Um, yeah. Well, mo- that, that, that escalated quickly. We went from 627 to 16. To 16. A mother's yeah. newborn out the window. Uh, yeah. Decomposing body found in the water tank. That's the most, <sighs> that's the famous thing. I mean, did, a, a, did, you hear, did, did you read the story about the lady who gave, like she gave birth in the bathtub because she didn't want to disturb her boyfriend? She was 19 years old. Yeah. That's the one that pitched the, uh, the kid out the window. She yeah. She was half the age of the, of the, of the father. Yeah. So like a traveling shoe salesman or something on him. Yep. So yeah. John been reading. I've, I've, I'm not as like doofully prepared as I am most times, but I have, uh, okay. I've, okay. I, I found, I found a couple tangents, which I think, I think might be a little. So yeah. So it, it, it's a fuck shit, crazy, like evil place anyway, but it really came into, I think the public 
consciousness uh, on a much wider level uh, when Elisa Lamb's body was found in the water tank yeah. on the on the roof. She was this uh, very young woman, I think maybe 21, 22, uh, from Canada on a West Coast trip. She was, I think she started in San Diego and was sort of like making her way along the California coast. Um and decided to spend a few nights at the Cecil, which was, you know, a budget hotel. You know, it's like a, you can, it's one of those hotels where you can share a room. It's almost like a hostel. Um, you know, you have the option of having your own room, but then there are shared bathrooms. So she was staying there. Uh, she disappeared. Nobody knew where she was. Um, and then several days later, guests were uh, reporting that there were problems with the water pressure in the showers. Yeah, tasted uh, funny. The water that was coming out of the taps had a funny smell. There were like little blackish red globules coming out of oh, the yeah. The lamb was found uh, decomposing in one of the uh, one of the water tanks on the roof of the hotel. And so the mystery is how did she get in the tank? What was she doing on the roof? How did she get on the roof? And so um, it's it's a big like web sleuth thing. And um, what really brought it, it was one of those videos that, you know, creeped everybody out is this security footage of her in the elevator on the 14th floor. The elevator game. Yes, the elevator game. I um, found the rules. You found the rules to the elevator game. So explain this to me because I don't, I saw that that was a thing, but I don't know what it is in detail. Dang it. You coming hot on that mic. You like just assert yourself. Like, um, so do you want to give the, the, the background to the elevator game? Do you know much about that, Lise? I don't know much about the elevator game itself. I just know having watched the Elisa Lam elevator footage uh-huh. back and forth, the sped up version, the slowed down version, all versions allegedly have several seconds edited out. That, yeah, that's a... That's yeah. a that that yeah, yeah. there's missing uh, there's missing time from that elevator footage, but it's very creepy. It's very strange, you know. At first, she just looks like she's you know waiting for the elevator doors to close. Mm-hmm. She jumps out into the hallway, like mm-hmm. you know, like boo, gotcha. She gets goes back into the elevator, hides in the corner, um, goes back out into the hallway, starts doing this very dreamy, like interpretive, you know, you can't tell, is she having a conversation? Is she just, what is she doing? Her hands are moving very slowly, um, you know, and then she just kind of wanders off and then there's several seconds and then the elevator doors close and it's really creepy. Okay, so to put that into context with the elevator game, yes, which is I guess a game that was started in South Korea and Japan. Okay, um, as to the actual dates, I'm not sure, but this you want to you want to know the rules? You girls want to play the elevator game? Let's play the elevator game. All right, so you'll need at least one person, but can be played with more. A public building with at least ten floors and an elevator, of course. Starting the game. To start the game, the players need to enter the elevator. Press the fourth floor. Do not proceed if someone enters the elevator or one of the players leaves the elevator. If someone does that, start from the beginning. Now that prep, like I'll preface them saying like that is going to be a recurrent theme is the fact of like, if anyone enters, if everyone exits, you need to restart. Okay. So press the fourth floor, do not proceed. 
if someone enters enters or leaves, blah, blah, blah. All right, now press the second floor. Same deal. Do not proceed if someone enters the elevator or one of the players leaves the elevator. If someone does that, start from the beginning. Press the sixth floor. Do not proceed. Back to the second floor. Do not proceed. All right? Press the 10th floor. Do not proceed still. And then press the fifth floor. Um, and then, if a woman enters the elevator on the fifth floor, do not look at her. Do not speak and don't talk to her. That woman is not a human. If you do, she will decide to keep you for her own. Press the first floor. Do not proceed if someone enters the elevator or one of the players leaves the elevator. If someone does that, start from the beginning. The elevator will either ascend or descend. If the elevator reaches the first floor, leave and do not look back. If the elevator reaches the 10th floor, leave and do not respond to the woman if she asks, where are you going? Or, what's wrong? Her voice will be high when she asks that. Do not proceed if someone enters the elevator or one of the players leaves the elevator. If someone does that, you start from the beginning. So, basically what it is, is it's supposed to be doing this combination, going through these processes, brings you into another dimensional portal, quote-unquote. You are now currently, if you go up to the if you go up to the 10th floor and you walk out, you are now in the other world. If you are alone, you are in the other world. Electronics will not work in the other world. The other world is identical to our world, but the two differences you will see are all the lights will be off and the only thing you'll be able to see from the windows is a red cross in the distance. Now, returning back to our world. To back to our world, you must go to the same elevator and press the same buttons. Only if you leave the 10th floor. So the pattern is four, two, six, two, ten, five. When you reach the fifth floor, press the button for the first floor. The elevator will again begin to ascend to the tenth floor. Press any other floor's button to cancel the ascension. You must press the button you use to cancel the ascension before you reach the tenth floor. After you reach the first floor, check your surroundings carefully. If anything seems off, even the smallest detail, do not exit the elevator okay that's yeah that's interesting because part of the uh part of the lamb uh elevator footage is her pressing all of the buttons Mm -hmm. on on the on the panel um yeah so and that this was 2013 that she that she disappeared so Mm -hmm. and we don't know when this game okay i mean it's yeah i'm not there's no hard date on it um, all right, so if you all right, after you reach the first floor, check your shrines carefully. If anything seems off, even the smallest detail, do not exit the elevator. If you detect something wrong, repeat steps two until your surroundings look as they should. Once you're confident you've returned to your own world, you may safely exit. Huh. Okay. Well, I mean, in, in the context of watching her uh, in the elevator, I suppose, you know, it makes... Some of it kind of lines up. Yeah. Well, I mean, so many different things line up about the Elisa Lamb story and just about this hotel anyway. And, you know, and it's this whole chicken versus, chicken versus egg thing. Like, you know, was was the hotel always evil uh, or or did it absorb evil? You know, um, there's, there, you know, it, it's sort of like, it. well, it's like The Shining. It's... um. The, you know, the theory is, and there are people who have stayed there. The, the guy who wrote this book about the Cecil um, was saying that the first time he walked in the lobby, he immediately got nauseous. Like there's some kind of like energy in that hotel. And a lot of people have reported that um, they get 
into their room and immediately go to the window and think, you know, what would it, what would it be like to jump out this window? And so it's, it's thought insertion, you know, it's, um, it's our, you know, are there these psychic imprints in this hotel that are, you know, creating this thought insertion, I guess. Have you, have you ever felt that way about a place, John or Lisa? Because I have, I've definitely walked into places and like have picked things up. From well, places. I worked in a theater that for 25 years that was very haunted, the Huntington Theater on Bos- uh, on Huntington Avenue in Boston, which was originally uh, the Jewett Repertory Theater, also built in the 20s. Um, and uh, one of the players in the Jewett Repertory Company was actually Peg Entwistle, who, if you know about Peg Entwistle, she um, moved to Hollywood to become uh, a movie star. Her career didn't pan out, and so she jumped from the top of the Hollywood sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, I mean, there's there's a lot, uh, you know, I think theaters are sort of like hotels in the same way that they're absorbing a lot of energy. Um, so I used to lead ghost tours through the Huntington um, when I worked there. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think like hotels, hotels are like the, anybody going through it, it's, a, it's transient, you know, it's, it's all, you're just passing through, you're not really supposed to stay. So I think like when people actually like make that their final destination, it's, yeah. you know, weird. It definitely works on a metaphorical basis, but I mean, at, at its root, I mean, Technically, I mean, like, what do you guys think that apparitions and ghosts and hauntings, what, what do you think that that actually is? I mean, I, I come from the, the basis of thinking that it is a kind of like a psychokinetic imprint into, I'm, I'm talking about like temporal hauntings, like, like, I think it's a psychokinetic imprint of either traumatic release of energy mm-hmm. or this, this, this thing that just imprints itself kind of like in like the, the, the film stock of time. Yeah. Well, I feel that way about Gettysburg. So if you've ever been to Gettysburg, like you, you just walk out, it's, you know, green fields, rolling hills, mm-hmm. beautiful, but you can feel that some really, really significant things went down. Like you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. My hometown in um, central mass Brookfield, it was completely decimated and burnt to the ground during King Philip's war. And there's still some fields that haven't been touched that you drive by them. And there's just like a small level of fog everywhere. And it's not like, it's not whether that's incremented that type of conditioning, but I mean, there's a lot of like heaviness yeah. that goes on there. That's, that's probably the best feeling. Like when you walk into a place, it's just the air feels like it changes. Mm-hmm. The air pressure changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Feel a little odd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the hole in the back bay itself is just kind of a mess. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, like I, one experience that I had was at the Mass Ave building for Berkeley, the dormitory. Probably one of the more significant ones because it was it was a shared it was a shared experience with uh, some friends. Uh, uh, how to frame this to keep to keep parties innocent? <laughs> um, long and short, there's a bunch of us hanging out in our dorm room, and uh, a friend of ours who have long since lost contact with, if he's even in this mortal coil currently. Um, he was interested kind of like in Crowley occultism and whatnot. And he decided that he wanted to go and do like, you know, like a deep meditation while we're all kind of like hanging out and stuff like that. And like kind of start using like energy 
type stuff. And we're all hanging out, minding our own business and stuff like that. And our friend's doing his thing in the corner. And then all of a sudden, we all kind of like felt this pressure. And then we all collectively felt this rip go up the side of the wall of my dorm room that was facing to the exterior of the building. And um, it, we, we, all of us, there was like five of us in the room, we're all like, what the hell was that? Like it was, it was a big group experience in comparison to like, you know, individual things that I may have experienced or things that were told to me. But um, yeah, I've had other people tell me things about the Mass Ave building that were just like, you know, this girl, uh, a friend of mine talking about she's like on the sixth floor or something to that extent being like she was listening to the radio and all of a sudden the music cut out and like voices started pouring through the radio and stuff like that and a lot of like so much experiences of seeing shapes seeing shadows and stuff like that yep. and I've always had an interest into what happened, why it happened. And it turns out that um, there is quite a little bit of history. The Berkeley Mass Ave building. Um, originally, it was built in two stages. 1902, the southern part it was. And 1908 was the northern part. And it was originally an apartment building. Okay, um, It was renovated into hotels in the 1955 and owned by a prohibition-era gangster who became the most synonymous slumlord in the history of Boston, a man by the name of Maurice Gordon. He had something at one point in time close to his death up to 30,000 tenants throughout the city. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his Globe obituary uh, stated, just plainly stated, he's best known for ha- for his housing code violations and his fires. Okay. Uh, one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess at the time of the reconstruction and the remodeling of, of the mass app building, um, he had a, like basically when he bought it, it was, it was, it was, um, at that point in time, there's a massive fire on Peterborough street, right down the street from the mass app building in between the Huntington and mass app, Lisa. Oh my God. It's a cursed area. That's a crossroads. It's true. 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 I mean, like the Christian scientists probably put that, let's, let's get another Christian scientist putting their like, you know, Shangri-La there and thinking that Jesus is going to be reborn at the, the fulcrum point between the top of the tower and the reflecting pool. It's the Mary Baker Eddy uh, Vatican. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you know that that's what their envisionment was? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. So if you stand in the middle, all right, you know the fountain? Yep. Stand in the middle of the fountain. If you stand there, if you trace up to the point of where the intersect of the top of the tower and that star is mm-hmm. uh, and the fountain, that is the point in which Christ is going to be resurrected. Then the light of his presence will shine down into the reflecting pool and shoot up into the heavens. That whole, like that whole compound is crazy. The Maparium. Have you been in the Maparium? And oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. The globe with like the crazy acoustics. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's yeah. I mean, that's well, I mean, Christian science is very much a, um, from the spiritualist movement. Uh, just is definitely a, a sort of um, paranormal scene, you know, mm-hmm. turn of the century. Uh, and Boston was was definitely like a spiritualist mecca at the time uh, with, mm-hmm. you know, people taking, you know, the ghost photos and the ectoplasm and seances. Uh, yeah, Boston has a very long and storied history um, especially around the, in the back bay. Uh, I think the uh, old Exeter Theater was uh, the building for uh, spiritualism. All right. So basically when uh, Gordon bought it, he rebranded it as the Sherry Biltmore Hotel. Okay. In 1963, 
there was a massive fire that took out the original top three floors. Okay. hundred people were evacuated. 27 were injured and four were killed. Okay. Okay. Um, there's speculation that there was a traveling, uh, review of sound of music that was at the, at the Capitol theater. And basically supposedly, um, one of the sons, one of the actresses had been setting fires in hotels for the, for the duration of the tour. Okay. Uh So, I found a photo of the, it's basically the Boston Historical Fire Archive um, of the exterior of the Mass App building when the fire was being put out. And lo and behold, right below my dorm room was this gigantic, massive, huge streak of black cinder going up and covering the window of my dorm room in the exact location, in the exact black direction of that pulse wave that we all collectively felt. And like, I'm saying that again out loud and like my whole entire body is goosebumps. Yeah. When I was at Emerson for grad school, there's a, the, the legendary Charles Gate dorm, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a dorm uh, at, at uh, for, for Emerson for years. And it was the Charles Gate Hotel. And interestingly enough, it's, it was alleged to have been haunted by a seven-year-old girl who fell down the el- elevator shaft. Getting back, getting back to elevators. Um, I think that's since been disproven, but um, no, yeah, I, I would hear a lot of stories from the undergrads uh, who had the fortune or misfortune, depending on, on, on how you, you think about it, uh, to stay at, uh, at the Charles Gate, because of course it's haunted. It was a hotel. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, I've experienced, it's funny. I was out in uh, like the Mount Hood area in Oregon uh, several years ago for my cousin's wedding. And one of the things that we did was we went to the Timberline, which is um, the, the exteriors are where uh, the shining was shot was the Timberline. Um, the inside looks nothing like the overlook in the, in the film. Um, but we went there and it was a very interesting hotel. Um, I definitely, you know, got spooked looking at, at, um, the outside of it. I really didn't feel anything, um, inside. We went there for lunch. What I, where I did feel it, interestingly enough, was the hotel where my cousin got married, which was um, the Columbia Gorge Hotel. Um, I think it was a couple of days before the wedding, we went with my aunt and my uncle uh, just to sort of get the lay of the land and where the, the ballroom was. And I sensed a maid or like a, a, she was definitely in like sort of vintage, um, a maid outfit, you know, the black dress and the frilly apron and the cap, like standing off in the corner. Like I, I, I just like my third eye, like just kind of picked up on this maid standing there. A bonnet. She was in a bonnet. She was in a bonnet. She was. Um, yeah, no, it's a beautiful old hotel. But if you look at pictures of it, you can, you can just be like, oh, yeah, of course, this place is totally haunted. Yeah, but interestingly enough, I didn't pick it up at the Timberline the way I picked up at, um, at the Columbia Gorge. It was really interesting. And I turned to my uncle, my uncle Dave, and I was just like, this place is haunted. And, and he turned back to me and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Was he placating you or was, was he, yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I think he was, I think he was 100% sincere. Like I, th- I think he was picking up on the same stuff that I was picking up. Maybe not the maid. I didn't tell him specifically that I saw this maid, but yeah, that uh, old hotels, man. I mean, you know, probably even Howard Johnson's, you know, <laughs> there are like motor lodges. Uh that are also well i mean think about what 
kind of things go down in these places? Some kind of sex, like what's the weirdest thing that you've ever done in a hotel? It could be something sexual. Maybe you did some kind of wacky drug with people you just met that night. Or, you know, maybe somebody's there to kill themselves because they don't want to do it at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Or to do a murder because they don't want to get, you know, something messy at their own. You know, you don't foul your nest, right? Well, it's like Jonathan was saying, or, or, or I can't remember if it was you or Jonathan saying, you know, it's it, the, the transient nature of, of the place. You know, you're you're passing through in more ways than one, I think. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Bourdain hung himself at where? The uh, the place in uh, Alsace, uh, the, the Le Chambord, Chambard Hotel in Alsace. Got the Chateau Marmont, you know, Belushi. Um, he did that, the, the cocaine-heroin combination, the speedball there. So the more I was reading about getting back to the Cecil, the more I was reading about the Cecil and reading all of this stuff about, you know, people who die there and, and, and don't leave, I was just like, okay, so then this is, this is sort of the basis if you watch the American Horror Story hotel mm-hmm. season. Yeah. It's very much the same thing. It's it's this old Art Deco hotel that's a budget hotel. And one of the, I think the first episode, you know, these German, these two young German tourists, you know, come in, you know, because they, they read that it was a cheap place to stay in Los Angeles and they end up getting murdered and, and they become part of like this cast of characters over the decades that have died somehow in this hotel and can't actually leave the hotel. Uh-huh. It's like the murder house, because if you die on the premises, you're there forever. That's it. Right. But, uh-huh. you know, what's interesting about hotel, you know, and, and it's the same thing with almost every season of American Horror Story. And I feel like I always say this is that it starts out every season starts out promising and then oh, yeah. immediately goes into complete, total fuck shit territory. Like they have this huge budget and they're just like, we're just going to do whatever, you know, and see what happens. And then we'll try to wrap it up somehow at the end. And, and, <laughs> and it's so, true. It's very true. It's, it's, it starts, it starts off of a very, very good intention of being like, we have a great idea. We're going to take this whole entire premise of, we're going to take the Cecil. It's like a movie about the Cecil. Let's start incorporating all these other elements about different like haunted hotel stories and do this and that and the other thing. And then it gets to the random, like I didn't even, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't finish hotel. All right. Like I started having a hard time with that because it gets so damn convoluted. I still think the first season is probably the best. And um and nine and the and the nineteen eighty asylum. Oh, I th- I liked asylum. I thought that was a pretty good one. Asylum got a little too torture porn for me. Um, but nineteen eighty four, uh, the 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 summer camp one was actually probably the most consistent from beginning to end. It didn't. It you know it stayed sort of consistent in its. Uh, although Richard Ramirez shows up. What? Richard Ramirez yo, showed yo, yo, up yo, in a hotel too. Okay. All right. For starters, all right, I have not seen 84. All right. So thanks for the spoiler alert, whatever. Okay. Okay. And also I didn't finish hotel and I might've stopped. I might've continued if I knew Ramirez was going to show up. Uh-uh. Ramirez, Ramirez shows up in the cease in, 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 in American Horror Story Hotel, which, you know, there's a, there's a, they have this annual party. It's, I think it's a, it's the night before Halloween. Uh-huh. Um, and they have this annual party where all these murderer, this di- dinner party where all these murderers show up. So oh, I think I do remember that. Yeah. yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer's in there. They bring in a young man for him, and then he gets to like drill a hole in his head. I remember that. That's true. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, that's, I was just like, okay. And as I was reading about the Cecil, I said, okay, so then this is clearly based on, on, on the Cecil and, and the idea that these people who die at the Cecil, uh, don't, ever leave the Cecil. So Elisa Lamb is, you know, now wandering through this hotel, which is now no longer called the Cecil. It's called Stay on Main. They've of course. done they've done this whole rebrand of um, and they're you know redoing the rooms and now the building has been declared a um, a, a historic landmark. Um, so it's it's a Los Angeles historical landmark. So there there were actually permanent residents, you know, in the same in the same sense that there were permanent residents at the Chelsea in yeah. New York. There were permanent residents on the top floor of the Cecil. And the author of this book spoke to one of the former permanent res, you know, permanent uh, tenants. And she's just like, I wish they would just tear this place to the ground, you know. Um, and but now it's never going to happen. They should it's a historical landmark, right? Tear it down and salt the earth, but they, they won't now because it's a historical landmark. But you think tearing it down is going to stop anything freaky from happening in that general vicinity? Well, we're also talking about, you know, downtown L.A., and not one of the nicer parts and it's kind of just it's a few blocks from skid row and what's interesting yeah. is, is now they're going to preserve the cecil but they tore down the ambassador which was where robert kennedy was assassinated yeah and i had taken a tour with uh scott michaels who does the uh dearly departed tours in los angeles where he drives around and shows where everybody Died, you know, we, we go up to, you know, the sites of the Manson murders and, you know, all over Los Angeles and, and showing where people died. And uh, they were just in the process of starting to tear down the ambassador. And Scott was, was saying, you know, L.A. does not have any respect for its buildings. So ironically enough, the ambassador gets torn down, but this fucking shithole, like evil, you know, portal to hell suddenly gets, uh, gets, gets the, uh, gets the stay of execution. I wonder if Carl Amal and Mayer and all those cats back in the, uh, 1920s, maybe it was, maybe that was a part of the contract, you know? It's like, you can have this whole entire Shangri-La in Los Angeles and create the world of movies, but you must create portals to hell as well. That got me thinking about, you know, other hotels in horror. I'm glad you talked about the Chelsea Hotel because I looked at that a little bit too. Oh yeah, the Chelsea, the Chelsea is also full of crazy stories. I mean, most notably the murder of Nancy Spongeon in, uh, in the Chelsea. Nancy! Did! Don't forget the farewell drugs! Oh, come on, Nancy! Let me off kiss! This way! <laughs> Which is now also a boutique hotel. It's just like, it's just fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, they take these sordid places and try to gussy them up. But man, you know, anybody who's like even, even a quarter empathic can, can pick up on the shit that, that goes on in those, in, in these hotels. And so, you know, and it always comes back to the shining and the overlook. And so that's the other thing that got me thinking with the Cecil and the overlook, you know, is, you know, the, the overlook itself is sort of the embodiment of this evil or you know reading the novel it's it's clearly about addiction um but yeah it's the chicken versus the egg is like you know did was the hotel built evil or did it just absorb evil over the years until uh you know it it you know with the with the with the overlook it it just 
absorbed so much evil that, you know, it, it, it manifested itself, you know, and I, I talk about tulpas all the time, which is, you know, the, the paranormal uh, theory that thought and intention and energy can create a sort of poltergeist. That's sort of what the overlook is. It's like a giant tulpa or it's a, um, is it, is it a portal to hell and just, you know, it attracts the wrong people or um, is it started as, as this benign building and, uh, and just absorbed all of that energy until it manifested itself into a real presence? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, if you look at the idea of like what happened in Ghostbusters, where there's an individual who's sitting there and trying to create portals. Mm -hmm. I mean, in certain situations, I can see how architecture and, you know, certain occult, like, you know, dark arts could kind of find like a marriage and try to create festivals for for that type of of foul intent. But I'm definitely... uh, I definitely think like like the Tulpa ideology is is one that is has a lot of merit because it's you know it's it's, it's of our own device it's of our own creation. I mean, if we're talking about like the idea of like imprints of psychokinetic energy and and how there's manifestations of just like that cut across time. I mean, that is from us. I mean, it's you're right in the chicken and the egg. It's like, is it is it evil that creates this, or is it us that creates this? Are we evil, or is evil us? You know, it's the that duality, which is kind of like an odd play. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, it's it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some buildings that are just straight up in a bad area. I mean, like look at like the idea of like you know, like the Amityville house. It's like, oh, it's on a graveyard, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, those people that haunt the halls, like the Cecil, like um, like the Chelsea, I think that has a lot of merit into the terms of, of, of those energies imprinting upon itself and kind of like self-evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, is there like you know i talk i spoke to somebody who um does house clearings and you know i she'd said to me that you know we choose houses and houses choose us too so the, I, I i tend to think it's like a symbiotic relationship if you've got the energy to feed it it'll make itself appealing enough to you that you'll want to until it has you and I'm sitting in my creepy attic with a photo of some people from like the 1930s that I have no idea who they are. And I'm terrified to remove that photo because Lord knows what will happen if I do. I love picture, old, old pictures of people I don't know. I have them all over my house. I find them in thrift stores and I just, I buy them. And, and you know, people are like, oh, who's this thinking it's some old family member? I'm like, I have no idea. No idea. That's so funny. That's so funny. I got to show you this. I'll, t- I'll take it off the wall and show it to you. Oh, boy. Look at this dude. That is a Dapper Dan. Yep. I have one of those in the basement. It's one of these old, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No idea who this guy is, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy. Yeah, he, that's very on brand for you, Lisa. I, I, I definitely, that's that's good. Yeah, we have one of my great my great-grandmother... And at my parents' house, and Lord, her eyes could like cut through like steel. It's crazy. There, there are people who think I should not be like bringing these old ass pictures into my house. Um, you know, the going back to you know the theory of bringing in you know energy of other people. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I uh, I've just always been drawn to these very old pictures of uh, people people I don't know. 
no idea who they are. Um, yeah, they're, I've got, I've got them all over my house. Um, you're a whisperer of that sort of thing. I would say Lisa. Probably, probably. Um, all right. So we've (laughs) verged. Hey, so room 1408, I found out that that was based on the hotel Del Coronado in San Diego. Do you guys know anything about that? I know the hotel. Yeah. Bring us up to speed. So I guess in that hotel, there are like 56 deaths. I think that was just room 1408. But John, you were like poo-pooing that movie because you didn't like Cusack and uh, Samuel Jackson in that. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I love John Cusack and I love Samuel L. Jackson. In that. I, just, it, 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 I, I love them separately, but I thought they could have had a little better better material. I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's okay movie. It's not... Yeah. yeah. Well, Samuel L. Jackson was pretty on brand. He's like, that's a bad fucking room. Like he, he basically breaks mm-hmm. it down for John, uh, that character, yeah. his character. Mm-hmm. I love John Cusack. I do. Um, and I like the movie and you know, I just, I, it was just, uh, I just thought it was interesting that I didn't even think it was based on an actual hotel that existed. But uh, I did do some research on that one. What is that research that I have done? And of course, the Oracle isn't... Oh, here we go. So the thing that happened there, it was like this glorious, really glamorous hotel. And this woman had checked in uh, over Thanksgiving. And five days later, they found her body on a flight of stairs leading to the beach after she took her own life. So... So spooky things um, started happening, but not so much in the room that she was staying in, but in the servants' quarters. Uh Um, uh, They said around the third floor guest room she occupied, her name was uh, Kate Morgan. Um, So people said that there were things moving by themselves or voices and footsteps. Um, But uh, the, the maid's quarters is where it was really going on. And they found like 37 abnormalities in the former maid's room, including a glass that fell to the floor by itself. So it wasn't, you know, quite as bad as what the movie was portraying. But in real life, you know, it was creepy enough. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That movie was definitely extreme. You know, it's like, hello, dead daughter. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. yeah, or like you know, weird things out the window, and mm-hmm. you know, flooding of a room because yeah, Karen you know. Carpenter's voice like coming over the radio constantly. I mean, that's just creepy as it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, talk about like what a pure distillation of like potential dread. Karen Carpenter. <laughs> well, you know, it's like the room is like fucking with him. The room is like, we've only just begun. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, pretty, pretty bad. Well, that goes back to the Cecil that are people who go into the room and immediately have the instinct to like open up the window and jump. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that. That, that would be, that, that to me seems like that is. That's something that wants more. If you turn on the radio and the hotel Cecil and you hear Van Halen's jump, run. Don't go back to the room. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's thought uh-uh. insertion. Thought insertion. It's, you know, the, the hotel is capable of doing that or you're just so uh, in tune to, to what's going on. So, you know, the question is like, would you go, knowing now what you know, would you go spend a night at the Cecil? So would you, would you stay at the Cecil? Me? 
stay on Maine? Yeah, well, that's the question. Knowing what you know now, like, would you go and spend a night in there? Here's the thing is, like, I've stayed in some hotels that are, like, you know, purportedly haunted, like, like, uh, like the Hawthorne. Yeah. And I've never, I've, like, I'm, I'm, I don't think I, it's a far stretch to say that I have empathic tendencies. Um, I'm definitely um, not as strong as some people. Um, but I never had like any sort of like really, really like grungy encounters where it's just like, um, in, in, in hotel settings and situations like that. I mean, like, like when I talked about like the situation that I had in the dorm room, yeah, I've had tons of things like that, but it's not like something where like, I'm going to necessarily walk into the Cecil and like automatically, but like be like physically ill or like drawn into certain like, you know, like the various like, you know, ideas in my head. But I mean, like I can't necessarily say that because I'm not in that position. So I'd probably say, fuck yeah, I'd stay at the Cecil. Let's do this. All right. Let's go. Let's try it out. I have a tendency towards hypervigilance at nighttime. Um, so, uh, and I'm perimenopausal. And so <laughs> sometimes the sleep is not so good. And uh, if I went to a place like that, I would probably be like, like waiting for like something to happen. And uh, so I wouldn't get a good night's sleep there. Doesn't mean I wouldn't go just to observe or just to like, you know, what's yeah. going on. No, I, I asked the question, not not saying, would you go there to get a, a restful night's sleep? I mean, like, well, but would you like spend the, you know, the witching hour in a place like the Cecil or let's talk about, you know, the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. Has anybody- yeah, there's not enough Ambien for that shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, there's a hotel in near where I grew up. Uh, called the public house, uh-huh. which is they actually do overnight stays for, you know, occasionally for like, like ghost hunting. Um, but there's been several things. I have some friends that have worked there over the years and there's definitely like a feeling. I mean, like my experience is going, I mean, like, I've been in and out of that building most of my life. Um, and, and there's definitely like a certain vibe and a certain feeling and a certain aura in certain places. Um, I think one of the most famous things was there was supposedly a photo taken uh, this bridal party and it was, it was this wedding in the barn which definitely has like a strange vibe to it as it is. But supposedly there was animal eyes and then also guests that weren't invited in the photo when they got the photos back. And they're like, I mean, first they're like, like, like animal eyes. What are all these animal eyes doing? And then it's like, who's this dude? Who's that dude? Who's she? Who's that? And um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And like there's stories of like people that have, have like seen um, uh, the actual proprietor uh what's his what's his name i have it written down here colonel ebenezer crafts of course Suppose, supposedly he he um he he partakes and travels down into the ballroom and sees things but suppose the most haunted room is room 40 which is a bridal suite now um sometimes there's been a stovepipe hatted gentleman that's been seen there doors open and shut randomly there's a sound of like breaking glass and breaking china um, and there's been people who like I mentioned that that, that that ghost hunting you know exposition that they have uh, supposedly the woman that leads that up she actually got married there and she stayed in the bridal suite and she was doing like a uh, uh, you know like, a, like an electronic voice reading and uh, she 
engaged the spirit being like, Hey, do you want to touch me? You know, and stuff like that. And so she started hearing giggling coming from the hallway between the, well, in this room between the hallway and, and, and the actual bedroom. Um, and then all of a sudden she felt this like cold passage on her leg, just kind of like started like touching her and then just kind of like, Ooh, like that supposedly, um, metabolic, uh, crafts, the, the wife of, of the good Colonel has been seen in like a tavern room sitting there like reading a book um yeah supposedly there's like you know indiscernible like faces and shoulders and mirrors and stuff and like like various other rooms like people sitting on beds and yeah it's just like that whole entire area it also sits right next to like one of the oldest cemeteries in Sturbridge it's like a small little like colonial cemetery and that area when there was the the tornado that went through Massachusetts about like 10 or so years ago right no, it was nine years ago. Um, that property was unscathed, but the area surrounding it was totally decimated. Um, my friends got married there um, right after that. Actually, what it was is like my friend was going out to have a consult with the, the wedding planners, and she was driving back and watching the tornado Oh my God. come behind her from Springfield on the mass pipe. So like she was like driving like Juju trying to like get back to JP to get like safe and sound. Um, but when we went there, it's like the area around it, like you can see like the, the, the delineation lines of where the tornado would cut through except around that one area of the public house. Huh. And there's no real damage other than a small thing that was built like, like so around what? the month that's built in the 50s. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. It was protected by this like vortex vortex of energy or something 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 i mean um I don't know. speaking of uh so, so yeah i sort of have like a bucket list i mean i would i think i would probably stay at the cecil i want to stay at the lizzie borden uh the bed and breakfast the lizzie borden um i also want to go to the clown motel you guys know about the hotel out it's like out in nevada or is it nevada or arizona no it's it's in nevada it's outside of vegas it, it's the type of place that looks like you're gonna like sit down wrong and get tetanus yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. and all you know it's it's all the all these clowns clown dolls and it's next to this old like prospector cemetery like this creepy with like you know these like crooked tiny little sad headstones and oh yeah and i'm just some real some real scooby-doo shit oh yeah i want i will i i i want to stay at the clown motel I want to stay there. I that's on that is also on my bucket list. Clown Motel, Lizzie Borden, Cecil, uh, definitely, definitely. All right, I'll go to the Clown Motel and stay there as long as we can be giddy like school children the whole entire time. No, of course, of course. <laughs> It'll be good. <laughs> It'll be good. Send in the clowns. Um, yeah. Uh, Okay, uh, so so now we're sort of on the motel end, which I think I think motels, you know, tiny little roadside places. There's not too many left on Route One, like in Saugus, but like there's a couple of like these like sad little places. There's one called Avalon, and every time we go by, mm-hmm. I, I start singing Avalon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the pads in the background. Yeah, so good. there are still the Avalon is still there. There are still like these, you know, motels, and and you know, I think if we're talking about juju there's there's probably just some really dirty like meth mouth energy in some of these places but there's you know the the, the most famous is is of course the Bates 
Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we get, we, we can't talk haunted hotels, um, without talking about, uh, the Bates, which is not in and of itself necessarily haunted. It's just, you know, run by this getting, it always comes back to Ed Gein. Uh, you know. I know this is, I think, I think there's been, I don't think that we talked about the Bates situation on the siblings episode, but definitely there's a common thread with uh, Psycho, the the, the film, uh, and in, in my appearances, you know, yeah. so you just you just made it a trifecta, least. Good job. If we didn't at least drop the Bates in there, I'm sure we would hear from somebody about that. How can you? Mm-hmm. You didn't talk about the Bates. Okay, so now we're talking about the Bates, but uh, the Bates, I think, is is sort of a different situation. It, it's just sort of the setting uh, and. Yeah. Yeah. how much the motel itself has to do with what happens there other than it's just you know a place for transient you know it's it's a good it's a good place to murder people and then uh you guys have seen motel hell yep yeah that's another one you know it's you know people just you know stop in and then you know before you know it you're planted planted in the ground with your you know vocal cords severed because they're turning you into veal <laughs> <laughs> delicious, delicious man. Sausages. Sausages. God, I haven't watched that in ages. I got to watch that one again. The first time I watched that, I was like, what the fuck? What the yeah. fuck? And it reminded me because I've been watching uh, the the uh, the Hannibal uh, TV series. Oh, yeah, the Hannibal actor show. I like that show. Went back to the Hannibal, and I think it's like episode two where the guy uh, plants... Uh, Di- people in diabetic comas and plants them in the ground to grow mushrooms out of them. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, it's like motel hell. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty See, much. I, I liked Psycho, you know, I mean, everybody talks about like that being the original slasher flick, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's for that time, like all of the blood they shot in black and white on purpose, um, you know, because they were afraid that the blood would be like too much in color. And um, there was a lot of overt sexuality going on there, which was also another thing that made it kind of scandalous for its time back in good old 1960. Um, But when I was doing like the other research on it, um, you know, the guy who wrote the book Psycho, Robert Block, he said it was, you know, like you were saying, it all goes back to Ed Gein, you know. And uh, the shrine to the mother thing. So tell I I missed this because I wasn't on Ed Gein Superstar. But does did Ed Gein actually have a shrine to his mom? Absolutely. There was a uh-huh. when when they went to uh, in, you know investigate the house and they found um, the murder victim you know trust like a deer and uh, found all kinds. I mean the house the house itself was filthy. It was filled with you know. <laughs> skins and uh, you know upholstery skin upholstery and skull bowls and his his snot collection and so there was this boarded off room and so you know the co- you know, the cops were like you know if the rest of the house is like this horrific you know what what are we going to find behind these boards and they tear the boards down and it's the perfectly preserved room of Ed's mother Exactly as she had left it, everything untouched, a layer of dust upon everything. The Bible still ornately placed where she had left it. Oh my gosh. It was, if you ask me, I think that's maybe even more freakier than finding the nipple belt. Yeah. (laughs) But then when you, like, so, like, the one of the last scenes in Psycho, you know, um, what's her face? 
Crane's sister, uh, the sister of the of, mm-hmm. of the Janet Lee character, comes in and she looks at like this beautifully kept bedroom with the imprint of you know yeah. his mom yeah. still on the bed, you know, before yeah she hears him downstairs rattling around. Then she goes in the basement and finds what she yeah finds. yeah she wasn't she wasn't down in I don't think Gain put her down in the root cellar because I think he had too much respect and also the brother probably would have gotten smart to that. <laughs> but I, th- I, th- I think that his his evisceration of the of corpses was definitely a, a means of filling that hole. Yeah, I mean, other than the fact of him, like you know, gathering materials for want of better terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely like a means of, of filling that hole of trying to have the mother back. Yeah, but ultimately, I mean, hell, if he dug up his mother, maybe this, that whole entire thing would not even happen. Right. Right. You know. Well, they they had said that like the you know the in the uh, in Psycho supposedly if they, he were diagnosed now the Anthony you know Norm Bates would have multiple personality disorder which I don't think is true. Um, multiple personality is totally different than what he was doing. Um, you know that was a pathological response to something that he had done. Um, you know the murder that he had committed and to get over um, what he did. I, I that's that's just I don't. I mean, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but that's my feeling on that. Um, Are you talking about just that one sole event? What that, 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 that snap was a result of... of well, he, well, in the story, Norman kills his mother and his mother's lover, you know? And, like, he was already kind of playing with a, with a short deck because, you know, his... <laughs> pretty much yeah so you know and i guess in the book um he was chopping off heads he wasn't you know he didn't kill her in the shower the uh what was it margaret crane is that yep. the character's name margaret crane yeah that was marion marion crane thank you yeah. Marion Crane, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a, a weird pathological weird pathological makeup of that. But yeah, I mean the the Bates motel itself was was I mean it was it was a den of taboo. It, it was you know there's the voyeuristic aspect of him being able to look to the walls. Yeah, there was like there was like the taxidermy. There was like you know like that that repressed sexualization of. Of obsession that that if you look if you look at something like like you know like this like the Cecil being like this this portal of a collection of transient spirits you know this was like more of the device to sit there and and work into the level of I want to say kind of like abuse of of means is it, you know, oh, yeah. it, 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 like a fly trap yeah like a honey pot. Did you see, did you see, I think Netflix had this, it was a, a, a documentary about a man who owned a motel and he had cameras like planted all over the place. Um, I forget what it's called. I'm really sorry. I can't remember, but you got, do you guys know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about because it came up on like recommended for you. <laughs> <laughs> they got me pegged next. <laughs> Click. <laughs> watch that shit. Yeah, no, I right. get probably watch that uh, after I'm after I'm done editing. It. Now, now here's a question for you regarding the Cecil. Okay, was was Cecil kind of a loose inspirato for Hotel California? That's what I'm also guessing too. Like you can you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I th- I think probably probably. I mean, um, I mean, it seems much more palatial in the song, but. 
Well, but that's the thing. If you if you look at pictures of the lobby of the Cecil, it's mm. still very ornate and and Art Deco and beautiful. And then you know you look at the pictures of the rooms, and yeah, it's it's a it's a budget. It's a budget hotel, except the penthouse. You know, it's interesting. The Cecil, or, or rather, Stay on Main, has this has this penthouse, like this, you know, suite with, and it it actually looks halfway decent. But then, you know, you see the pictures of the rooms, and it's these like itty bitty, tiny little rooms with bunk beds, and you know, big chips in the in the paint and stuff. But then, the, then the lobby is this gorgeous, ornate, mm-hmm. perfectly preserved lobby. So yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, probably Hotel California might, you know, I, I've never actually uh, researched that, but it would certainly make sense. Um, because it's not. Oh, and the other thing about the Cecil is that it's alleged that um, it was Elizabeth, it was where Elizabeth Short had her, her last drink. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Black Dahlia. Yeah. Um, because she was found, you know, her body was found uh, not far from, uh, from the Cecil. Which part of her body? <laughs> Oh, too soon? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, what about the granddaddy of all motel murders? Murder Castle. Oh, yes. Yes, the Murder Castle. This is true. H.H. Holmes. Uh, uh, yeah, building specifically. Uh, did, you, um, did you read, um, uh, what is it, The Devil in the White City? I have not read Devil in the White City. Interesting juxtaposition of, you know, the World's Fair and how uh, ornate and beautiful the creation of the the World's Fair was uh, vis-a-vis this hotel that, you know, Holmes built and, you know, taking advantage of the fact that he would have all these people from out of town coming to see the fair, maybe coming to find employment, uh, you know, and then these various rooms um, where he could either, you know, gas them to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, they couldn't get out. The doors would lock, you know, and then like the shoots and stuff. That are, you know, yeah. 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 They go into the basement into the vats of acid. I'd heard that they were going to make a movie of that with, um, I think DiCaprio playing Holmes, but I don't think that's a, that's ever panned out. Oh, I was hoping you're going to say Will Ferrell. <laughs> Will Ferrell is Holmes. Down the chute. So I, I was looking at, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to Hotel California for just a second. How dare you bring Glenn Fry into this conversation? I fucking hate the Eagles. I'll just say that. Oh my God, Lisa, if we were actually in person, I'd give you the biggest hug right now. I fucking hate the Eagles. Well, there's some conjecture that the song Hotel California is about Camarillo State Hospital, which is an insane asylum. Okay. That's also fair. Insane asylums also clearly. Sorry. Okay. I'm done. Go back to what you're talking about. That's okay. Can we talk about our, our mutual hatred for the Eagles? <sighs> I just, I, uh... <laughs> you want to talk about scary. <laughs> like there, there's just a couple of bands that just that, like it's Fleetwood Mac and, and the Eagles. Like it's, just... I saw them live a couple of years ago. Eagle? The Eagles. Yeah. Not all of them, obviously, but yeah, no, Get a Glenn Fry hologram fucking hate them um <laughs> this, this is part of the natural flow of conversation now i know i know i know and but but then i, I another hotel came to mind and then it got obliterated because we started talking about the eagles oh i'm sorry well, we were talking about the asylum we were talking about but there was another there was a specifically a hotel that i was thinking about and now i now it's gone 
Oh, well. Yeah, no, it's not going to come back because the, the Eagles ruin everything, including <laughs> including my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's funny because it's true. I can't tell you why. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, my God. Stop. Now, like, all these horrible songs are in my head. Um, it all comes back to the Cecil for me. And yeah. I... I definitely want to, I definitely, uh, I, I'm intrigued enough to, to try and stay there. But of course, you know, nothing's open now. No, it, I, I actually have fantasies about like booking a room somewhere just so I can order room service and jump on the beds and not have to clean up after anybody. Those days are over. I want to swim in the pool and go hot tubbing. Oh, hot tub. No. Oh, I can't. I want to remember this hotel that that came up, and and it's just it's infuriating me now. <laughs> You've never been in a hotel hot tub. I have been in hotel hot tubs. Um, what did you do in there? What happened in the hotel hot tub, Lisa? It's gross. It's just <laughs> fucking like genital hot stew. Like 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 egg drop soup in there. What? Uh, it's like Legionnaire's disease. I know that 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 would bother me. It's fucking gross. I just don't get you know like come on over. We're having hot tub time tonight. And, you know and people who have hot tubs and I and, and I'm just like uh, no. Look, listen, like you're. Why, well, why are they always going for a soak? Yeah, I, I love a Google soak. I don't want to steam my pussy with you. I just I I don't I don't want to do it. I do it. <laughs> It feels good. You'd be in a hot tub with the fucking eagles playing in the background. Just, <laughs> just to fuck me. I will do oh all the God. things you hate. God. <laughs> Lisa's going to like divorce me now. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, I feel that way about the eagles and hot tubs the way my husband feels about the dick leeches. Dick leeches. <laughs> <laughs> Man, no, you just killed you just killed the recapitulation on that. 2020 is it like dick leeches, murder hornets, coke bores, and those giant fucking jellyfish that are now washing up on the beaches? Have you seen pictures of those yet? Uh, isn't there supposedly isn't there supposedly like an Arabian dust cloud that's supposedly like coming this way from from a from the south? Yeah, there's like some kind of dust cloud. And yeah, so it, it's just, it's, we, we are living in the, we are now living in the motherfucking end times. And then Mothra is going to come out of nowhere and then Godzilla is going to come fight Mothra. <laughs> I want like, I want, if, if, if all of this is happening, then I want like genuine cryptids to start showing up because I saw a news article that somebody took a picture that alleges to, you know, like the best picture of the Loch Ness monster, you know, since, you know, that, mm-hmm. that original picture of the Loch Ness monster. So I got a picture mm-hmm. of Nessie and it's like the underside of some kind of sea creature. Yeah. And it's massive. Yeah. But, you know, so then, then fine. Then I want Bigfoot. You know, I want the Mothman. I want, you know, I want Jeff the Talking Mongoose. I want all of this stuff to, like, start. Oh, yeah. The Pope-lick monster. Pope-lick? Pope-lick monster. Like, literally, Pope-lick monster. And it's straight up, like, can you see that? It straight up looks just like Baphomet. Yeah. It makes me understand Mitch McConnell that much more. <laughs> There's some kind of thing that lives on Truro, apparently. 
I believe it. There's a lot of things that live on Truro. I think the thing that horrifies me the most are those giant fucking jellyfish, though. I think it's chupacabra, too. Dick leeches, chupacabras, skinwalkers. Let's just, let's, let's just have them all come out. Any group of people who have a similar uh, thing uh, lends to all kinds of fuck shit. Listen, and I speak from experience. I, you, <laughs> Years every summer going to the same software conference, you know, in various massive conference hotels across the United States where you'd have like 1500 database, you know, geeks in the same place over over the course of, you know, four nights and everyone, every conference that I'd been to, I've been sober. So I've not really partaken in the fuck shit, but I've heard stories, man, you know, at the towards the con con. Yeah. All of those hotel bars are filled with, you know, people who still have their lanyards on and God only knows what's what's going on. God only knows what's going on. It's not just musicians. It was in Orlando. Uh, the conference had ended and I'd stayed an extra day because, of course, I had to go to the Haunted Mansion. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they'd taken down all of our, all of the, the, the software conference, you know, uh, branding and signage and that, that was all gone. And it turned over into a power washers conference. <laughs> And I was just like, man, you can have a conference for anything. And I bet, I bet the power washers get up to some freaky stuff. There's a lot of like, not Amish, but, um, the Mennonites that's Amish light. Yeah. Mennonites. There were Mennonites, like Mennonites apparently are like, you know, commandeering the power washing scene. Cause there were, there were like, there were a few like Mennonites walking around in their suspenders and stuff, you know, for the, with the, with the lanyard, with the power washer uh, thing going on. And I was just like, Mennonites gotta pay the bills because they, unlike the Amish believe in electricity. Yeah. And power washing. So that's, that's how they make their money. Cause they were, if it wasn't for the Mennonites and the Amish, Pennsylvania would have been in Ohio. Well, the, the Amish in Ohio partially responsible for, for saving most of that state at the beginning of the uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hotels, you know, even, even the giant conference hotels, you know, are probably absorbing some weird, crazy, sexual, drunken energy. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're tying each other up with the lanyards. Having- yeah. Yeah, having power, having kinky power washing sex. Oh, what an, what an easy usage for a lanyard. Yeah. Sorry, we're not kink, kink shaming, kink shaming. The- no, no. You think, if you think that jet stream's powerful, <laughs> I could show you something different, lady. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see a powerful turbo jet? What is Come the, up to room 1394. What's the freakiest thing you've ever done in, in a hotel with a group of people, John, that, that you want to talk about? No, no, nothing really, actually, to be, to be truthful and honest. Not really. I mean, other than like having like little like parties for like, you know, like, if, like at weddings and stuff like that. Nothing really like super scandalous or at least nothing super scandalous that I can remember. I spent a very depressing New Year's Eve at a motel, I think, in Norwell with some of my high school friends when I was in college. And, like, someone had rented a room so that we could all just, like, sit in this shitty little motel room and get, you know, drunk off of uh, 
melon balls. That was my, that was my thing. Cause I was so tacky. I mean, I was such a tacky baby alcoholic in college and I would, I would mix melon balls, which was like orange juice, Midori and vodka. Maybe it must've been. And I would make melon balls for everybody. That was like my signature drink. I'm so fucking tacky. I was such a tacky, tacky baby alcoholic, but yeah. So that was probably like the most pathetic thing that I've done in a hotel. Did you drink Boone's farm? I did not drink Boone's Farm. I was way you too... You are not a tacky alcoholic because I drink Boone's Farm. I think I did drink Purple Passion, which is that combination of like grape juice and Everclear. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I was drinking that NASCAR wine. <laughs> Boom. I did not touch... I did not fuck with the wine coolers or the, uh, or the Boone's Farm. Oh. I I made sophisticated drinks like melon balls. So that's like probably the 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 most pathetic thing that I've done in a in a hotel motel. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You're the one who broke this whole entire conversation. I have a feeling she's got a. All right, bring it. I've got children. <laughs> oh, for crying out! In the house, you can't. You, you you drop this bomb on us like you're gonna like you know make this huge reveal of like some like kinky rubber suit eagles clam steaming sex in some hotel and now you're not going to tell us she's nodding that's what happened it was rubber clad eagle steamy snatch sex oh my goodness (laughs) so like if you go to a a music conference and you and somebody says the fourth floor is out of control i will be the person to press the number four on the elevator and to see what the whole fuss is about it was pretty fun it was Big dog. What? Trent, message, message received. <laughs> My friend is a, um, a photographer and she needed somebody. She was a photographer for uh, Unsung Hero magazine. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to be like the person that helps like put the Unsung Hero t-shirts on the guys that, you know, would come to the booth so she could take pictures of them. And so I got to stay with her and we like terrorized the hotel for a couple days and it was uh, pretty fun did you have an orgy with mini kiss <laughs> you did you did you had an orgy with mini kiss you know i have an affinity for no i did not have an orgy with mini kiss you did. totally had an orgy with mini kiss she did she totally had an orgy with mini kiss there were like a lot of, there are actually a pretty pretty many good uh, musicians there the smithereens played there that okay Another band that I fucking hate. I fucking hate the Smithereens. Uh, Sorry, I hate them. I don't know why. I don't know why. There's no like real. I mean, musically, you know, their their sound is just. I I don't know, man. I I I can't with the Smithereens. I can't. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I think we're done. And um, cool. we'll uh, let's plug our various uh, our various uh, social medias. We're, we we can be found on Twitter and Instagram, but we we do the most stuff on the Facebook, so you can find us there. Please be a part because uh, we like to we like to talk to our our listeners, and um, we want to do another uh, maybe another live screening. We've still got Velasa Pastor in the uh, in the pipeline to go uh, watch do a live do a live watch of Veloc Pastor. We had a good time with a killer sofa. We'll do that again. Um, I don't know if we have anything uh, to pimp out in these uh, COVID days. Jonathan, you got anything going on? 
Um, the uh, new Ch- Ron Cheney's EP was going to drop yesterday until my laptop decided to fold upon itself. Oh. So that's Mercury two retrograde. It's the Mercury Dude. retrograde. It was literally, literally, I I was down. I was down at uh, at my space down at some studios. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Some studios. What up? And um, I went out to the car to reference uh, a mix that I had just done and mastered down. I wasn't even gone like 10 minutes. I was like, okay, sweet. I got to work on this, 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 come back in, adjust that, blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatnot. I walked back into the room and it had just shut down and nothing. So, Uh, so if I can just, can I just pick my thing out real quick? So if anybody out there is pregnant and they are getting ready to have their baby and they want to um, have a nice calm birth and, um, be empowered in the process, call me. She'll play the Eagles. No, I will not play oh. the Eagles. <laughs> Every child born from Yin's process screaming as they come out of the womb because Listen. Don Henley is a douchebag. <laughs> no, if I can help a woman deliver a baby in the front seat of her husband's car, and she and, and everything goes okay. You, you, yeah, I can I can help other people have babies too. So here's yeah. the kicker: Were you there physically when that happened? Uh, no, but my voice was. <gasps> That's what I'm saying over the phone. No, it was hypnobirthing. I did a I did a. It's not quite hypnobirthing. It wasn't then. Now, I'll, as of you know tonight, I'll be done with my last hypnobirthing class, and so I'll be a certified hypnobirthing educator within the next month or so go yin um okay so i guess that's uh what we're what we're talking about here and uh like us on the social medias please get involved and um thanks jonathan you're always a pleasure to have you on board oh well thank you ladies it's always a pleasure to come aboard the ss spooky shit yeah Yep, the Stay Scary Hotel. Stay uh, scary. Stay scary. Thanks, everybody. Stay scary. Thank you. Stay scary. And we'll Bye.